0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Negotiate Anything is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 3 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm Kwame Christian, and I'm the director of the American Negotiation Institute. We're growing, and I want to introduce you to our new team members and new trainers. This will help to give you new, diverse perspectives on negotiation and conflict resolution. That's why I'm excited to let you know that Shane Martin, our head of sales and partnerships, is going to serve as co-host of the show from time to time. We are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that our team conducts negotiation and conflict resolution trainings in the United States and abroad. Our trainings will give you the practical skills you need to resolve conflict, negotiate, lead and persuade with confidence. Click the link in the description below to learn how we can help to make your difficult conversations easier. And now, let's get to the show. Neta, thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, Kwame, how are you?
0: Doing great, doing great. Better now that we're finally getting this interview in. So (laughs) how would you remind the listeners um, a little bit about yourself? And um, because it's been probably about a year. Yeah, so uh, we have to fill them in, remind them. So tell them about yourself and what you do.
1: Yes, absolutely. So hey, everyone, I'm Netta Almejafi. I have been practicing as an in-house legal counsel for over 12 years now. I primarily work with commercial and technology transactions. I draft, review, and negotiate contracts on a daily basis, and I love it. Um, More recently, I have started a contracts blog called Contract Nerds. And uh, just published a book on contract redlining etiquette. So if you can't tell already, I'm definitely a contract nerd myself. um, And I'm really excited to be here on the Negotiate Anything podcast to talk to you today about internal redlines and how we can use that to um, really drive the internal negotiation process.
0: Yes, definitely. And and listeners, Netta is very humble. We need to go deeper into this book because this book is an absolute game changer uh, because as a fellow attorney, when it comes to... Uh contract redlining negotiations that is uh, part art part science and a major skill that lawyers just go out and wing it like there's nothing in law school that really teaches you how to do that appropriately so you are filling a really important gap in the industry when it comes to the the negotiation process so tell the listeners just a little bit about the a book and um your your thought process behind focusing on that u- unique niche within negotiation.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Kwame. Really, um, the way that we redline contracts should actually be thought of as more of a negotiation strategy. But most people think of it as something trivial, like a technical skill, how to use Microsoft Word, how to add strike-throughs and markups. But this is really the mechanism that lawyers and other contracts professionals use every single day to negotiate contracts. So why leave it to you know fate or happening to get a really good mentor or a boss that shows you the ropes? Why not focus on it and study it and make it a skill set that one could practice in a strategic manner? And when you do it that way, following these 10 rules of contract redlining etiquette that I've outlined in my book, you gain efficiencies, you gain negotiation leverage, you ultimately end up negotiating better contracts and negotiating them faster. So, um, I'm really excited for the book launch. And um, for all the listeners out there, you know, if you pick it up, it's on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback. Please let me know what you think. Shoot me a note on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear your feedback.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. And yeah, everybody, there's going to be a a link in the description of the episode as well. And um, Neto, one thing that we know uh, is that, yes, telling people what's in it for them is really important when it comes to getting people to do something. But fear is even better as a motivator. (laughs) So tell them one scary thing that could happen if they don't know how to use this process of contract redlining in their negotiations.
1: Sure. Um, One really scary thing is that you could make a mistake that ends up costing your company thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars because you're not properly running the redlining process. You're not um, managing it closely and you're not running it in a way that you can validate it easily at the end so be careful out there and you know don't use red lines as a whimsical you know side note use it purposefully and strategically
0: This is great. So it sounds like the book is for people who want to get better at negotiation and also people who don't want to lose exorbitant amounts of money because of mistakes that they made.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And Kwame, I really do want to thank you uh, for writing the forward to my book because listening to your podcast about two years ago is one of the things that inspired me to put myself out there and begin posting on LinkedIn and talking about a field that I love. Um, which is contract negotiations. And, you know, listening to your podcast really inspired me to do that. And you wrote an excellent forward to my book that seriously brought tears to my eyes. So thank you so much for your support.
0: I appreciate it. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you for the uh, for trusting me with that. And, it, you know, whenever you, anything is produced by by me, it's produced by my team. So it's always a team effort, you know. So we're glad that, that you enjoyed it. And um, with this episode... We're excited for this one, too, because uh, in our negotiation trainings, especially with procurement professionals, internal negotiations, that that seems to be one of their biggest challenges. And so let's just start from square one. When when you're talking about internal negotiations, let's get a definition on the table and let's move from there.
1: Perfect. So when people think of the, the negotiation process, you tend to think of party A negotiating against party B. But there is another layer to negotiations, which is what we call the internal negotiation. And that is someone from party A negotiating with someone else from party A. So that can be a procurement professional from party A negotiating with their legal counsel about a certain term or a risk assessment. Um, It could be a salesperson negotiating with um, their legal counsel. It could be um, someone from IT negotiating with someone from procurement. So these are the internal negotiations. Are a negotiation between people from the same team from the same company.
0: And now seems like that should be pretty straightforward, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> what What are the challenges there? What What makes this so tough?
1: Well, often the internal negotiation is sort of uh, either forgotten about or not handled as diligently or strategically as one would handle the external negotiation. I mean, I have a perfect story of something that happened to me recently that I love to share with you, Kwame.
0: Definitely. Please.
1: Okay. So this is a story about an internal negotiation gone wrong, and this actually happened uh, a few weeks ago. So there's party A and party B negotiating, let's say a technology agreement for a software license. Party A is the customer, and I was representing party A the customer. Party B was the software vendor. Uh, So we had exchanged red lines back and forth a few times, and in the end, we were down to one final term and that was whether we could include a right to terminate the contract for convenience. So we as the customer wanted to be able to terminate the contract, which was a three-year term, at any time, for any reason, and without a penalty. Well, Party B, like most software vendors, didn't want to grant us this right from the outset. So it was left as the final negotiation point. We hopped on a call where it was myself as legal counsel for party a along with my internal client who was our procurement representative and then party b's salesperson and party b's legal counsel so it was four of us on the call which was right about you know a typical number of people on a contract negotiation call and First, we presented our side and we said, you know, we're down to the wire, there's only one term left, we're ready to sign, but we do need that right to terminate for convenience, because this is a three-year commitment and our company strategy might change, our budget might change, um, something might come up, we might need to adopt a different software, whatever the reason, you know, we need to maintain that flexibility to run our business Um, and, Party B's legal counsel chimed in immediately and said, absolutely not. We never, and we will never, grant a customer a right to terminate for convenience. What happened next was really surprising. The salesperson from Party B chimed in and said, actually, you know, we might be open to that. Um... Would you be willing to renegotiate the pricing terms though? So you're laughing, right? Because it's so funny. What's happening is two people from the same company are giving us completely different messages. And what does that tell you immediately? Did they even meet to prepare for this call? I mean, it's obvious right away that they were misaligned, right? So we continue. Party B's lawyer says, again, very firmly, no, we absolutely will not. And we never have. And I can't believe you guys are asking for this. I've never seen this in my 20 years of experience, you know, and just really kind of, um, you know, being a little extreme about it. The salesperson tries to reel the lawyer in. Well, you know what? We have done this in the past. Maybe we can talk about it offline and we really want this business and so forth. So now the salesperson and the lawyer are having an internal negotiation in front of the external party. And I'm going to leave it there. What do you think happened next, Kwame? Any guesses?
0: the lawyer jumped through the screen and strangled the procurement the the, uh i i think if i were in that situation if i were on your side then i would probably start directing all of my communication to the salesperson i would just start targeting the, the weak link and um try to get a commitment there
1: Yes, yes. So you said it right. Now you identify as a negotiator, you identified a weak link, that the parties are not aligned internally, and they've now said something inconsistent, but one of those things is in your favor, and how do you really attach to that part and kind of put the other one behind you? Well, this was a really bizarre scenario, but party B ended up doing that for me. All of a sudden, I heard a click. The salesperson had removed their attorney from the call. And he said, I'm really sorry for our lawyer. I'd like to apologize on his behalf. I went ahead and removed him from the call. Yes, awkward silence. Oh my gosh, that's never happened before. So we ended up sort of, you know, saying, you know, let's, let's come back to this. We, we, we hear what you guys are saying. You hear what we're saying. And I wanted to kind of leave it in the salesperson's hands because he was more on our side than he was on his lawyer's side. And we got off the phone. A few hours later, I received an email from the salesperson granting us the right to terminate for convenience and not asking for a price renegotiation. So what happened was they had to sacrifice the negotiation to save the relationship. And that is what happens when an internal negotiation goes wrong or isn't managed correctly. You can damage the relationship and you damage your negotiation leverage.
0: our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year if you think you might want one i'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out check out the link in the description to learn more and now back to the show Yeah. And so, Netta, tell me what you think about this. Because you can damage multiple relationships in one go. Because they could have damaged the relationship with you and your company. Mm -hmm. But also, they certainly damaged the relationship with each other down the road. And something that's really interesting here is that there was a part of me that was saying, maybe this is perhaps a very elaborate and theatrical uh, demonstration of good cop, bad cop. Okay, yeah, you blow up. We're going to act like we're not on the same page and I'm going to use this as leverage to get a price increase. And then you said, no, they didn't even ask for a price increase. So, yeah, no, no, no. That was just poor communication. And again, it shows how important it is to have that internal alignment. Sometimes the most difficult negotiation that you have to have and the most important one is the one with your internal stakeholders to make sure everybody not only is on the same page, page for negotiation strategy, but everybody understands what role they're playing in the negotiation itself. Because when you, when the two parties are not aligned, an expert negotiator can see that discrepancy, play one against the other, and use it as leverage in the negotiation.
1: Exactly. And like you said, we can be aligned to play good cop, bad cop. You know, as a lawyer, and I think most lawyers, we have no problem playing bad cop. You know, it's But let's be on the same page about it because we don't want to be caught in an unexpected situation in front of the other party. And once you say something, you've essentially given it up. There was no taking it back because now in this scenario that I just described, now we knew that it was possible to attain this. And so Party B lost their leverage even if they were to ask for a price increase, it would have been less than what they could have gotten had that not slipped out in an unintentional manner. Right? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it it was super interesting. And so then we talk about, you've mentioned the importance of the internal negotiation, and a lot of times we see a correlation. You know, the, the more successful the internal negotiation, the more successful the external negotiation. Um, So how do we prepare for that type of success? How do we set ourselves up for success? Really, um, we we see so many different ways to manage negotiations, but in my point of view, one of the roadblocks and the reasons that internal negotiations can be so difficult is because we don't have a method for managing the internal negotiation process and a lot of things can get lost in translation that way. So that's what I wanted to talk about today was how to use what I call internal red lines to help us manage the internal negotiation process.
0: Let's do it, I am excited. So, so where do we start?
1: Okay, so we've talked about what internal negotiations are. Let me clarify what I mean by internal red lines internal red lines is a phrase that i came up with and i describe it in my book um we use red lines or markups track changes to initiate and uh, initiate changes to a contract and then we use the comments part in the margins to describe why we made those changes and through the negotiation process we send the contract back and forth via email, we update the red lines and the markups and the comments. But how do we use the redlining process with our internal team members? Um, that's what I call internal red lines. It's red lines that are written for an internal audience. Internal red lines can be used for several ways. To gather information and requirements from your internal stakeholders so you can understand their needs a little bit more. You can ask clarification questions, you know, why did we ask for this? Why are we signing up for this deal? Um, Are you willing to sacrifice this for that? Are you willing to take on this risk? Then we can also use internal red lines to flag risks that our client should consider. It's a great way of advising when you're the attorney. Um, When you're a member from the procurement team, you can advise on industry standard pricing, industry standard commercial terms that you see when you negotiate these types of deals. You can also use it to request approvals on non-standard deal terms and then track these decisions because you may not be the decision maker. You want to be sure that the decision maker had an opportunity to make the decision, but you're also recording their decision somewhere. Um, And then you keep the internal negotiation organized and you prepare for the external negotiation. These are like six or seven different benefits that you get from using internal red lines. If you did not use internal red lines, how would you manage the negotiation process internally? Um, Sometimes you might get an email. Sometimes you might get a text message. Sometimes someone might send you a Teams chat. You know, they might um, send you a whole different document that says, take a look at this document that has my input on this deal. So you're essentially getting input from so many different places about one contract. And that makes it really difficult to manage and to see the bird's eye perspective of everyone's input to help you put the deal together and really design the deal in a way that meets your client's needs.
0: This is something that I haven't heard before. Um, This is a really unique perspective and I really like it. And it makes me wonder, just based on your, your knowledge of the industry, Since most people are not doing it in this structured fashion, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it's just chaotic. Like that's just the standard.
1: Yes, it can absolutely be chaotic. And that means that you're missing a lot of things. You're not connecting the dots. It's also taking way longer than it needs to take. Right. And Mm -hmm. whoever is managing the contract negotiation piece is also having to serve as an admin role, too, because you're copying and pasting and bringing it in, you know, to one document. Um, So it wastes time, which ultimately wastes money and it disrupts the connection. You know, we want to use internal red lines to build collaboration, to build connection, to make the parties feel like they're a part of it. But also so that your internal parties can be talking to one another, not just to you. You know, you might be representing multiple internal parties in one deal, and they might each have a different perspective on the same point. So when it comes to to me as the lawyer, I can field it and facilitate it and say, well, your point of view is different from this point of view. Let's now all three of us talk about it, you know, and, and align on it. I like to use a car analogy when i'm talking about internal red lines so kwame what is your like dream car that either you have oh. or you want to buy one day
0: yeah the next the next car is the 2022 hummer ev that's, okay that's the next one. Oh, cool yeah. i didn't
1: know hummers made ev all right so let's say the hummer all right so i described the contract the contract document A vehicle. So let's call the contract your Hummer. You're in the driver's seat, Kwame, you're the lawyer. You're driving your Hummer down the road, and to your right, you see one of your internal clients. Let's say they're procurement, and procurement's kind of waving at you. They have something to say about the Hummer. You have two choices. You can roll your window down and shout at them, Yeah, what do you think about it? Or you can unlock your door and say come on in. So my preferred method that I recommend is invite procurement in to the Hummer. When they're in the Hummer, you're all in the same vehicle and you're going in the same direction. Now procurement's in. You're continuing down the road. And IT is over there waving. IT comes into the vehicle. Now you're all in and you're going down the road. and. When you're all in the same vehicle, you're more likely to end up at the same destination than if someone's riding a bike next to you or someone's over across the street and you're shouting at them or you have to pull over just to talk to someone else. It's going to slow you down. So the best way I could describe internal red lines is bring everyone into one vehicle so that you're all going in the same direction. You're all having a conversation together in the same place in the same way
0: that is a great metaphor. And and as you describe it, it seems so obvious because we're saving time, we're saving energy, we're saving frustration, we're avoiding stress and all of those different types of things. And ultimately, we end up in the same place and we can move through this process in alignment. This is great. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you mentioned is that this can not only save time, but also save money. And I, I really want to make this abundantly clear to people who are having these types of negotiations? Because I think everybody appreciates the value of the time that they can save and the stress that they can save by managing this process effectively and getting this alignment. But how does it help the company save money?
1: Okay, so there's something that we call in our industry contract value leakage. Um, Contract value leakage is the amount of money that leaks out of a company because of uh, poor contract management. On average, a company loses about 9% of their annual revenue on contract value leakage or poor contract management. There are several different causes of contract value leakage. One of them is that negotiations take too long. So. One thing I talk about in my book is using red lines to drive negotiations forward faster and with greater efficiency. Because we don't want to sacrifice quality for time. We want to both move quickly and we want to move smart, you know, and we want to move efficiently. So when we're managing the internal negotiation process more efficiently... Not only are we saving time in the contract negotiation, but you're also thoroughly reviewing the negotiation points with your internal team members to make sure that what you're signing up for is what you intend to sign up for. If a procurement person is negotiating, let's say like a, a software license agreement and The vendor offers a three year fixed term with no right to terminate for convenience. Most likely, they're offering three years for a discount, right? If you were to purchase it for one year at a time, it would be more expensive. If you purchase it all up front in three years or five years, you get a discount. Um, Is that what your client wants? Is your client willing to take a five or a 10% discount for the risk that they'll be locked into this deal for a certain amount of time? Or does your client prefer to have the flexibility? So if you lock in for three years without making sure your client's okay with that, and later after the one year passes, your client is like, wait a minute, I thought we could just terminate at this point. I only had budget approval for one year, and we knew the whole time that we were building something similar in-house. Why didn't anyone ask me about this? That's one example of where the company loses money because the company has to spend three years for something they only needed for one year.
0: This is great. This is great. And so I hope uh, the folks in the procurement industry, and the, the, the the folks who are in-house legal, everybody who's having these types of negotiations are taking a lot of notes because this is really, really great content that I really appreciate it. And of course, it's almost like, I, I wish that there was some kind of book that they could read to, to help them <laughs> to understand. There is there a book? I just want to take a moment and just let people know if there's a resource out there.
1: There is a book. It's called Contract Redlining Etiquette. Um, and I wrote it, and Kwame wrote the forward for me, and it's on Amazon, so you guys can pick it up. Um, what I actually really like about the book is that sometimes it's difficult to describe this and kind of picture it in your head, but the book actually has sample red lines and images in there where you can see how we go through the the internal redlining process because there's a color coding method to it that. that that I use and that I highly recommend others use to keep yourself organized amongst multiple parties. And I'll do my best to describe it here. So if you're using the redlining process, you have comments in the margins. And usually when you make a change in the document and you mark it up or you add language, that's a red line. And then you should add a comment that describes why you added that red line. Um, that's something we talk about in our previous podcast episode from last year. But when you're working with different internal parties, you need to make sure that like IT is reviewing the comments for IT and sales is reviewing the comments for sales because they don't necessarily need to get too sucked into all of the legal terms and conditions and all of that. You want your internal clients focused on their subject matter expertise So if I want to ask the business a question, I will highlight the comment in blue. Because I say blue for business, that helps me remember it in my head. If I am putting a comment that's for the external party, the person, the party that I'm negotiating with, then I'll highlight it in yellow. And because yellow is pending, I don't know if they'll accept it or not, you know, I'll highlight it in yellow. And sometimes I have to leave notes to myself so that I can circle back on something or a note to check with someone. And I'll highlight those in green because they're my action items. They're my to-do list. So you can use whatever colors you want, but you're using these visual signals to help you organize the internal negotiation process. And then let's say, Kwame, that you're the biz- my business client and I highlighted comments for you in blue. I'll send you an email and I'll say, hey, Kwame, see the attached red line contract, I've left some comments for you highlighted in blue. Can you please review those, provide your feedback in the comments, and then get it back to me. And if you have any questions, we can schedule a meeting to go over. So now you only have to look at the two or three comments highlighted in blue, and you can ignore all the rest of the, you know, the changes and red lines and and kind of just focus on the part that you're here to focus on.
0: So I'm feeling conflicted, Netta. Let me explain. Let me explain why. <laughs> because because I'm extremely excited about this book. It is very useful, very necessary. And at the same time, <laughs> as a practicing lawyer and somebody who went through law school and somebody who has had to do so many hours of continuing legal education, I'm kind of frustrated that we didn't have this, that, that mm-hmm. this wasn't something that we learned it's so I'm, I'm just every time we talk it becomes clearer and clearer how important it is for us to have a process a system a strategy for this and i'm just glad that you're out here blazing the trail because this is so critical so critical and, the, and i think I, not i think i know the people who take the time and learn your methodology and, and subscribe to the blog contract nerds and everything like that they're going to have a significant competitive advantage when it comes to these negotiations not only are they going to be more successful but they're going to be more successful and less stressed in the process it, it, this is this is a um, winning on top of winning so i i just appreciate your work
1: oh thanks kwame i really hope so i mean that's the reason that i started contract nerds and i wanted to write contract redlining etiquette is to really offer a resource to people who work with contracts that i never had that we never had you know and so much of our expertise whether it's with contracts or negotiations, for me, I learned it on the job. You know, I didn't really learn it in a class or in a training program. And I think um, you know, law schools are more in tune with these transactional skill sets now, and they're starting to pop up more classes like this. But I still think we have a lot more work to do um, and training programs, whether it's outside of law school, outside of school altogether. But um, these are very important and they're things that we use every single day, but we've never really been clear on how to use them in the best way possible. You just kind of got lucky if you modeled what you did after someone who was really good at it, you know? Yeah.
0: Oh, this is good. This is really good. Well, Netta, you know, I could talk to you forever about this. (laughs) You know, this is, this is really great. So we're going to have you back on, of course, but again, before you go, remind them the name of the book, the name of the blog, and how they can get in touch with you.
1: Thank you so much, Kwame. The name of the blog is Contract Nerds. It's at www.contractnerds.com. The name of the book is Contract Redlining Etiquette, and it's available on Amazon on both Kindle and paperback. And please do find me on LinkedIn. Shoot me a message. Let me know what you thought about the book. Um, Thank you again, Kwame, so much for having me. It's always so much fun to chat with you.
0: Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations.